2: Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. When protesters took to the streets last month across the country to protest police violence and racism, they often chanted this. that campaign to defund the police has scored a victory here in Los Angeles. Yesterday, the L.A. City Council voted to cut the LAPD's $2 billion budget by about $150 million and use that money instead to expand social service programs in Black and Latino communities. But Black Lives Matter activists like Melina Abdullah still want much deeper cuts to law enforcement spending.
1: Is nowhere near enough that it does not reflect the kind of fundamental reimagining of public safety that's necessary to protect black life.
2: The cuts to the LAPD's budget will come from funds used to pay for police overtime. Let's turn to the pandemic. Not so long ago, California was seen as a model when it came to fighting the coronavirus. But in the last couple of weeks, COVID cases and hospitalizations have surged in many places in California. So yesterday, Governor Newsom announced a step back from reopenings. KQED science reporter Danielle Venton has more on that.
1: In an order affecting about 70% of the state's population, the governor closed indoor activities for restaurants, wineries, theaters, zoos, museums, and all bars, indoor or out, in 19 counties throughout the state for three weeks. Ahead of the 4th of July weekend, Newsom said wearing masks and maintaining distance shows respect
2: for life, one of the rights celebrated in the Declaration of Independence.
0: And so please let us protect our lives and address uh, the seriousness to which we must address this pandemic and the recent increase in the transmissions as well as deaths related to this disease.
2: The governor pleaded for personal responsibility, but also said that counties that do not enforce the order could miss out on state funding and face citations. For the California Report,
1: I'm Danielle Venton
2: northern and southern california have long had a good-natured rivalry redwood trees versus palm trees silicon valley versus hollywood the giants versus the dodgers but a new report shows real differences between north and south when it comes to job losses caused by the coronavirus pandemic they're terrible in the la area but not as bad around the bay area kcrw's matt Gillum reports the unemployment divide is linked to the industries that dominate each region Many Northern California jobs are driven by Silicon Valley, where pay skews higher and most tech employees have been able to shift easily to remote work during the pandemic. But in Greater L.A., service and logistics are king. Jobs that are typically low-paying rely on customer volume and where workers are required to be on-site or behind the wheel to complete their tasks. A report from the California Center for Jobs and the Economy finds eight of the ten congressional districts with the highest unemployment are in L.A. County, and communities of color make up about 70% of the population in six of those districts. Meanwhile, the lowest unemployment rates in the state are concentrated in five Bay Area districts. The latest statewide unemployment numbers have California at a little over 16%. It's below that in every Bay Area district, but across L.A. County, unemployment is at more than 20%. For the California Report, I'm Matt Gilliman, in Los Angeles. In related news yesterday, the state announced that jobless Californians could get up to seven additional weeks of unemployment benefits because of the state of the state's economy. Let's turn to COVID-19 among the incarcerated. At a state Senate oversight hearing yesterday, lawmakers asked prison officials to take responsibility for the role they may have played in increased COVID-19 cases in the state's prisons. State Senator Nancy Skinner, chair of the Senate Public Safety Committee, called for the oversight hearing in response response to an outbreak at San Quentin State Prison.
1: Our state prisons are the largest congregate settings. The major outbreaks and the number of deaths from nursing homes told us loud and clear that congregate settings are incubators for a wildfire-like spread of this virus.
2: There are now more than 1,200 cases of COVID-19 in San Quentin, more than double the number of any other state prison. At the end of May, the facility had no documented COVID-19 cases until a group of inmates from Chino were transferred in. Clark Kelso, the court-appointed federal receiver who's in charge of prison health care, said he shares the blame for the botched transfer of inmates. But Kelso said it was carried out with the goal of saving lives.
0: I'm accountable and responsible Uh, both for the successes and for the failures.
2: California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation Secretary Ralph Diaz, who also testified at the hearing, noted that 16 CDCR facilities were still COVID-free, at least as of yesterday. And a Cambodian refugee who feared being turned over to immigration authorities after completing his prison sentence is a free man after his release yesterday from San Quentin Prison but he's also infected with COVID-19. As KQED's immigration editor, Taiki Hendricks, reports, his release came the same day lawmakers questioned the head of California's prison system about transferring people to immigration and customs enforcement in the midst of the pandemic.
1: Chantun Bun was freed after serving 23 years for an armed robbery he committed when he was 18. He's a legal U.S. resident, but with a felony conviction, Bun could have been handed over for deportation. Instead, friends met him at the prison gate and took him for a coronavirus test. It came back positive, and bun is now quarantining at home, says his lawyer, Anup Prasad, of San Francisco's Asian Law Caucus. We're incredibly grateful that he wasn't turned over to ICE. Um, he's immunocompromised with a rare blood disorder and may not have
2: survived ICE custody and may have also possibly infected other people in ICE custody.
1: With coronavirus raging through both the state prison system and ICE detention centers, advocates have been calling on California officials not to transfer Bunn or any other inmate. At yesterday's hearing, Senator Scott Weiner urged Ralph Diaz, the head of the California prison system, to end the transfers, saying they risk spreading the virus further.
0: When we transfer to ICE, we are sending people who may be medically vulnerable themselves to private prison ICE detention facilities, uh, where we believe that one in three of the detainees in those ICE facilities is COVID positive.
1: Diaz said state officials will continue the practice.
2: If an individual has served their term and their term is up, then there is a, there's a hold or a warrant by ICE as a pickup. Uh, we, we picked up, they're picked up by ICE, just like any other law enforcement agency who may have a hold on an individual.
1: Lawyer Anup Prasad says he doesn't know why Bunn was not handed over to ICE, but he'll keep pressing state leaders to end the transfers altogether. For the California Report, I'm Taiki Hendricks.
2: It's a question a lot of political junkies are obsessing over right now. Who, oh who, will Joe Biden pick as his vice presidential running mate? It's pretty common knowledge that U.S. Senator Kamala Harris is on Biden's short list of candidates. But as KQED's politics editor Scott Schaefer reports, another Californian politician
0: is being vetted. You might say Los Angeles Congresswoman Karen Bass is having a moment. A Changing America, the Fox 11 Town Hall with Karen Bass, Tuesday at 7. After the police killing of George Floyd in Minneapolis, Speaker Nancy Pelosi tapped the five-term Democrat to help write and pass a police reform measure. The House bill included a ban on chokeholds and no-knock warrants. Bass, who chairs the Congressional Black Caucus, told the PBS NewsHour recently that the opposing measure from Republicans in the Senate lacked teeth.
1: So we don't need to study chokeholds. We don't need to have data collection about no-knock warrants. We don't need to have a federal registry that nobody sees.
0: The bill passed the House overwhelmingly. Bass has been working on police reform issues for decades. Rafe Sunshine, executive director of the Pat Brown Institute at Cal State LA, met Bass in 1994. In the wake of civil unrest following the Rodney King verdicts, she was a community organizer problem-solving with African-Americans and Korean store owners. This was a tremendous battle that was of deep political significance for intergroup relations, and Karen was navigating that. The issue was problem liquor stores in South L.A., and Sun and Shine says there was pressure to blame Asian-American business owners. But she was never going to allow herself to make it about not having Korean store owners. She was going to make it about people following the rules, and she stuck to that. A decade later, in 2004, Bass was elected to the state assembly, quickly climbing the leadership ladder. I, Karen Bass.
1: I, Karen Bass.
0: Do solemnly swear. In 2008, Bass became assembly speaker during the height of the mortgage crisis. With the state facing a huge deficit, she worked to find a solution with colleagues of both parties, including Republican Assembly Minority Leader Mike Valines.
1: She's calming. She listens. You know, she's a total problem solver.
0: In 2010, Bass won a seat in Congress, representing a district that includes South L.A. and the wealthier West Side. Rafe Sonnenschein says Bass has the ability and desire to find common ground. It's a willingness to at least see some glimmer of good in the people who are on the other side of the table from you and to figure there's got to be something that you can have a discussion about bass who is 66 years old is much less known than kamala harris who some believe is the favorite to end up on the democratic ticket and says joel goldstein author of a book about the vice presidency house members are rarely chosen as running mates you know it does happen geraldine Ferraro was from the house paul ryan was from the house but more often the candidate comes from the senate but goldstein also says it's not easy for anyone to make the leap to the hot glare of a presidential campaign so the fact that somebody checks off certain boxes doesn't mean that they're really a plausible pick if they're not ready for a national campaign in the end he says it will come down to who biden feels most comfortable with no matter what karen bass could still have a big future in congress where some see her as a leading candidate to replace Nancy Pelosi as Speaker when she retires. For the California Report, I'm Scott Schaefer.
2: And that's the California Report for Thursday, July 2nd, a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Thanks for listening and have a great day.
0: Support for the California Report. Comes from the California Healthcare Foundation, acknowledging the vital work of local public health departments to keep Californians safe during the pandemic, on the web at chcf.org. The James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low income workers have the power to advance economically, learn more at irvine.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose Fund for Strategic Innovation supports transformative ideas that benefit humanity while protecting the natural world, recognizing through science the interdependence of all living systems.
1: Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.
2: dot kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now that's podcast with an s thanks
1: i am sasha Coca, host of the california report magazine every week we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant diverse golden state because what happens in california changes the world i love this place we were once seen as like the place to be california